Job 22 is where we'll be at this morning. So we'll be covering three chapters today, and that's lightning speed uh, for for Pastor Brooks, but not for Justin DeGarmo. So in the previous two pastor or pastors passages or chapters, we saw Zophar reprimands uh, against him, and he was pleading uh, with Job in, in his or his response. Job's response that he's just looking for somebody to listen. He was really just wanting somebody to listen, and and uh, <clears throat> they aren't that kind of a friend. They certainly were not. Uh, sometimes we just need to listen and let somebody air their frustrations and their hurt without criticism or correction. Um, certainly, there are there is a line that we can cross if it becomes gossip and. And we can be busybodies, and we want to be careful of that. But uh, the reality is sometimes people just need to express how they feel, and they're not cutting anyone down. Uh, and they're not tearing anything down. They're just feeling uh, discouraged at the moment or whatever the case may be, and we need to be good listeners. Uh, <clears throat> but here in, in this chapter, in 22, we have the senior of Job's friends, Eliphaz, and he gives his third speech. And, and of course, we know Job has really steadfastly claimed his innocence, uh, he doesn't have any secret sins. We kind of looked at that uh, a little bit. He's not being a hypocrite. Um, really, Job is the person that's described in chapter 1. Perfect, upright. Uh, he fears God. He eschews. He, he turns away from evil. And, and boy, if that could be our testimony. Um, what, a, what, a, what a great example of, of how we ought to conduct ourselves being in Christ. Um, <clears throat> but this, today we're going to talk about seeing God in affliction. So as we continue through this idea of dealing with affliction, but seeing God in affliction, and, and oftentimes we have the question, where is God when I hurt? Where is He? And sometimes we have to choose to see Him. If you remember, uh, if I can get it right, the theme a couple weeks ago, for I have believed to see and so sometimes it is just in faith. We've got to trust that God is still there working on our behalf, even when we may not feel that way. And so seeing God in affliction. But before we do that, let's look at chapter 22, and we see Eliphaz's charges against Job again. Uh, 22, verse 1 through 3, it says, Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable unto God, and he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous, or is, it a, or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? And so Eliphaz responds to Job's assertions in the previous chapters here that God does not always punish the wicked in this life by asking if a man can be profitable to God. So Job's argument was God's not always punishing those that are wicked at that moment that we see. And so Eliphaz is, man, can we even profit God? In other words, since God is so great and lofty, he does not get involved in the lives of people, except to punish sin, apparently. Right? That's kind of the argument that he's laying out here. Think about this concept of God. He does not delight in fellowshipping with his people. What a discouraging thought. That, that's kind of the, the message that he's sending here. Right? God only gets involved in these things when he wants to deal with some sin. Uh, the, listen, God wants our fellowship. God wants our presence. God wants us to come before him. 
And what a blessing to know. Uh, but we can't always judge how God operates based on what we see with our eyes. Uh, we obviously must uh, have faith. It, by the way, it's impossible to please Him without faith. Uh, we, there is uh, a demand of faith on our part. God's good. All the time. So why do we doubt that when things aren't going our way? And, and we'll see some demonstrations of faith in the life of Job as we go through this. Uh, and Eliphaz gives this kind of sarcastic question in verse 4. It says, will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter uh, with thee unto judgment? Uh, are you telling me God is punishing you for being righteous? That's ridiculous. What, you know, he's, he's kind of being sarcastic with Job here. Uh, but the remaining of, of this chapter, uh, really, Eliphaz makes various accusations against Job in how he's living. Uh, he accuses Job of taking a pledge or, or collateral from his brothers without cause. Um, look, let's look at uh, verses 4 through 9, or excuse me, 5 through 9. That's chapter 21, chapter 22, 5. Is not thy wickedness great and thine iniquities infinite? Boy, again, they just make accusations. But look at this in verse 6. For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught and stripped the naked of their clothing. Thou hast not given water to the weary to drink and thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. But as for the mighty man, he had the earth and the honorable man dwelt in it. Thou hast sent windows away empty and or excuse me, widows, not windows. I was working on a window this week. Maybe I got confused, but thou hast set widows away. In my mind, I was reading. I was like, that doesn't make sense. I don't remember that, but it's because it's not there. So thou hast sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless have been broken. Therefore, snares are round about thee, and sudden fear troubleth thee. And so he's like, he's making these accusations against Job of these things that he's done. And he, in verse 10, he says, therefore, thou hast snares Round about thee in sudden fear, trouble thee. Listen, you're going through all this because of these things that you've committed. And by the way, these are serious accusations. God takes these things very seriously. Uh, there are uh, examples in the law of how God views these things. Uh, they're, they're certainly not light accusations. Exodus 22, 22 through 24 says this, You shall not afflict any widow. Or fatherless child, if thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot, and I will kill you with a sword, and your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. God takes these things very seriously. And so these things that Eliphaz is saying are, are, are no light thing. And, and listen, what I would just want to say, I don't want to get bogged down here, but I want to say, if we're able, we ought to do good. Listen, we can't meet the needs of all the widows individually. Collectively, as a church, we have an obligation to do so. But, but what I'm saying is, if you're able to do good to the fatherless and to the widows, we ought to do that. Um, certainly, you will be held accountable if you do the opposite. Uh, and you don't meet their needs and, and you take advantage of them as the accusation that Eliphaz has for Job here. Uh, and, and so Eliphaz, in this, this, this chapter, out down to the rest of it, he, he really gives some sins of commission and, and, and acts of omission that, that are sin as well, he, that he accuses Job, uh, things that he did do and things that he wasn't doing. And so listen, if God is calling you to serve him in any capacity, 
this is a quick note here today, but I want you to understand this. If God is calling you to serve him in any capacity, and this church needs servants, we ought to all be servants. Um, I'm going to get bogged down, sorry. We'll probably finish this next week. But our church cannot go forward unless everybody's doing their part. There are so many things that need accomplished around this facility that we might minister. We got kids coming in on vans. We have children in the nursery. We have Sunday school classes that, and all of this needs workers. It needs servants, those that will minister to other people. And if we believe God has brought us here, God is building this church, not us. We, we got to trust that he's bringing the increase and that he's doing all this work, right? We're just serving and being obedient laborers. Then we have everything we need to accomplish what God has for us to do here with the people that we have. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down this morning because this is critical because you hear this 80, 20, 90, 10% of people are doing all the work, right? You got 20% of people doing 80% of the thing. That ought not be so. The reality is there should be 100% involvement from anybody that's a member of our church. Now, we're not all doing the same thing, right? Not everybody can teach the teen class. Not everybody can teach the adult Sunday school class. Not ever, but collectively, we can meet all the needs that, are need, that arise in our church because everybody is involved in meeting the needs. And so now let me get back to my notes. So if God is calling you to serve him in any capacity, listen to this, and you delay, you refuse, you hesitate, you are in sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So listen, when God, listen, if you're in direct violation of the word of God, you better get that right. But the reality is sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us and God says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to work in this ministry or in this capacity, or maybe I want you to witness to this individual or whatever the case may be. If you resist, if you delay, oftentimes you miss an opportunity. And so you don't do it anyway. It, listen, it's sin. That's how God puts it. Uh, it. It's sin. So don't sugarcoat it. Oh, I missed an opportunity. Listen, you need to get right with God and say, next time when God leads me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. Because the reality is, until everyone does that in this church, we're going to be hindered. Because 20% of the people can only do so much. 20% of the people can't do 100% of the work. You guys do any math when you came up in school? Right? It's impossible. Right? They can only do their part. And so, listen, don't hold what God's trying to do back with our church because you are in sin. Uh, Call it what it is. Submit to God and let him have his way. Where can God take liberty if we would all be obedient? If we would just all do our part? So many people oftentimes bring up something. They say, oh, I, I see this need. Well, if you've ever heard you see the need, take the lead. Sometimes there is a need and it's not getting done. It's, it is being neglected at times because there's only so many people available that are willing to be obedient. So if you've recognized something, maybe that's the Lord telling you, hey, grab a shovel, start digging. Anyway, let me, let me get back here to my notes. And, and so verses 12 through 20, Eliphaz accuses Job of thinking uh, because God is so far away, he can hide his sins from him. Look at verse 12 
Uh, we're still in chapter 22. It says this, Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold, the height of the stars, how high they are. And thou sayest, how doth God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? Thick clouds are a covering to him that he seeth not, and he walketh in the circuit of heaven. Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overthrown with a flood, which said unto God, Depart from us, and what can the Almighty do for them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it and are glad, and the innocent laugh them to scorn. Whereas our substance is not cut down, but the remnant of them, the, the fire consumeth. And so um, <clears throat> it's funny because Eliphaz's prescription here is good. He's just given it to the wrong person. Uh, and if I remember, if, if I have my thoughts right... Uh, in verses 21 and down through part of this, Eliphaz concludes kind of this, his third and final speech here by challenging Job to uh, acquaint himself with God. And, and really, it's a call to repentance, maybe. But I think this is the only explicit call to do such a thing uh, by any of his friends so far. Listen, if you've... Well, let's read 21, verse 21. Acquit now thyself, acquaint thou thyself with him. And be at peace, thereby good shall come up unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, and thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Then thou shalt lay up gold as dust, and gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have the delight in the Almighty, and shalt lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent, and it is delivered by the pureness of thine hands. And so, Really, this is the first explicit call, I think, for them to turn. They've made accusation after accusation, and nobody really told them how to make it right. And again, their prescription is good, but it's, it's misappropriated in the life of Job. Um, and so those are the charges, and my hope was to spend more time here. We might have to finish next week. Um, but in chapter 23, we look at some of the, uh, to, at Job's response, uh, to Eliphaz here. And really in the first few verses there, he kind of temporarily ignores all of Eliphaz's accusations and, and he comes back to those later in the chapter. Uh, and he kind of expresses some frustration about the injustice that he's feeling. Uh, where is God during this horrible time in his life? Look at chapter 23. Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. And, and so he said, you know, Eliphaz said to acquaint himself, and, and Job's like, I, I've been looking. Verse 4, it says, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. Well, that's powerful there. There the righteous might dispute with me, so shall I be delivered forever from my judge. And so, listen, Job is certainly feeling like God's not there. 
that chapter or verse six, I just am in awe of that. No, but he would put strength in me. And there's a lot that can be said there. And just the idea that if I could just get in touch with my God, that he would strengthen me. He would encourage me. Uh, he would give me what I need to make it through this time. Uh, Psalm 68.35, it says, O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. And I, I, boy, what a discouraging place to be where Job is, where he just feels like he can't connect with a God. And how difficult that would be. He knows that his help comes from the Lord and that if he could just reach out and feel God's presence, that he would be strengthened and encouraged to carry on. But he's not feeling that way. Uh, basically, Job is crying out, where is the God? Where is God when I hurt? Look at verses 8 and 9 and how he's feeling. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. We're talking about a difficult situation. And Job's really going through the affliction here, and he just doesn't understand it. His friend's saying, acquaint yourself. Get right with God. He's like, listen, it's not because I haven't looked. I'm going through it. I am trying to seek God. I've looked for Him. I can't find Him. And verse 10 gives a remarkable demonstration of faith. 23.10 it says, But he knoweth the way that I take. Can you imagine that? Boy, I don't know what's going on. I've been looking for God. All these things have happened unto me. I'm ill. My family's gone. My wife hates me. And that's a difficult thing. Cindy and I had a, a fun conversation on the way to church today. Her and I are in lockstep, but for one issue. Four-way stops. We got into a, what an intimate fellowship about how four-way stops ought to operate on the way to church this morning. And so I, I told her that a little bit later, you know. Uh, you know, honey, I'm glad we're on the same page for everything but four-way stops. I mean, if that's the only issue you got, you're doing pretty good. I just avoid Vohoroi stops. I take the routes that have stoplights, you know. No. But listen, can you imagine the difficulty it is that the person that's closest to you curse God and die? You don't even feel like anybody's on your side. You're begging for God. Where's God? I want, I want fellowship with God. I want, I want that. And even in the midst of all that, he says, but he knows the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He says, you know what? Regardless of how I may feel, regardless of the circumstances that God has allowed me to go through in this life, I'm still going to trust him. And he's still going to bring me forth through this better than I am now. He's working on me to make me what I ought to be. What a remarkable demonstration of faith. Uh, even though he can't see God, we're talking about seeing God in affliction, seeing God in adversity. He's not experiencing what he is expecting, right? His friends have laid it out, and Job has even agreed with them that everything that they're saying, that is how God works in this life. That's how he treats the wicked. That's how he treats the righteous. 
But I'm telling you what, I am trying to walk with God. I'm searching for God. I'm looking for God. I just am not seeing it. But he did not give up faith or hope in his God. And listen, when you go through difficulties, when you go through challenges, just trust him. It's going to be dark. It's going to be hard. But just trust that he's working on your behalf to bring you forth as gold on the other side of that trial, on the other side of that, that furnace, if you will. What a remarkable demonstration of faith. Listen, do not lose faith when afflictions come. Don't lose faith when you don't feel God's not nearby. Listen, he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. But sometimes he does allow us to go through difficulties. Uh, but he's not gone. He's not forsaking you. Listen, just trust him and he will work all things for your good. Don't lose faith. Even if you feel like you can't see God in the midst of all of this. Listen, sometimes when you don't feel that God is there, he has not forgotten you. He has not given up on you. He has not forsaken you. And listen, and it, the, by testimony today, you will know that God is working in the lives of other people to help be a blessing and encouragement. You just got to wait on God. And we're, I don't know if we're going to get there, but that's where we're closing with this about waiting on the Lord. We just got to wait and trust. Um, maybe we'll finish this next week. Let's, let's look and see what we got here. <clears throat> Job remains faithful to what the Lord has directed him to do. This is remarkable, these verses. And I know they're, prob- they're well-known scripture, uh, but sometimes we equate these when things are good. We teach them to our Sunday school classes and we say things are good. But when, when it's time to live this stuff, that's when it, it's really when the rubber meets the road. And it's harder to say these things when we are going through it like Job is. Because we get whiny. We get critical. We're pretty soft. <laughs> In the Air Force, uh, we used to say you got to live hard to be hard. We CE, oftentimes there is no base when we get there. They kick us out. I got kicked out of the back of a C-130 in Afghanistan and Iraq, both countries. Like, where are we sleeping? When you build it, you'll have a place to sleep. And so we also used to say, you got to live hard to be hard. Listen, <laughs> don't let the hardness of this life harden you towards your God. Life can get hard, but it doesn't mean you have to be hard toward God. Look at what Job says here. Job, he just remains faithful. And what does he do? He continues to do what the Lord has directed him to do. He continues to be an obedient servant, despite not seeing the results one would expect. Listen to me this morning. Despite not seeing what we would expect, right? The expectation is if you live right, All the good that God promises is going to come to you. And listen, I'm not telling you to doubt the promises of God, but what I'm telling you is it doesn't always work out the way that we think it should. And that's one of the biggest troubles when people have hard times in life and they come to church for a couple weeks and they think everything's supposed to be bam. Everything's supposed to be good. God's going to fix it all. That's not how God works. We have to wait on him. But but look at what Job does. Listen, life doesn't always and maybe even ever go the way that we think it should. But we must live by faith. Look at this, verse 12, or 11 and 12. My foot hath held his steps. Look, look he's committed to regardless of what come, 
I'm going to hold to my God and to the teachings of his word, and I'm going to trust him. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Boy, he didn't even turn back a little bit. Boy, I can't see God on this side. I can't see God on this side. He's not in front of me. He's not behind me. And I ain't declining regardless because I'm going to remain faithful to my God because I trust Him. He is able to bring me through this trial and I'll be better off than what I am now. We read the end of this book and we know that that's true. But when we're going through it, we get the poochie lip out. And we do decline. We do let up. We do turn back because it's not going the way we want it to go. Lord, help us to be faithful to him. Listen, he is faithful and he will never fail us. God, help us to be faithful to him. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Can we honestly say that we are committed to being obedient to God and His Word in the way that Job describes here in verse 12? The Word of God is more important than my necessary food. We can can talk about fasting. We can talk about a, a, a lot of stuff here. But listen, we need to be more concerned about seeking our God first and trusting Him to supply all those other things. Some people have the mind or the, the, the motto or, or the, the way of life of saying, no Bible, no breakfast. And they're not going to eat unless they've been in the Word. I'm not saying you have to do that, but it's certainly a good thing. Uh, I think if you really are honest with that, some people will probably be starved to death. Um, we need the Word of God in our life. Listen, and, and we need to be obedient and make application of it. And so Job kind of appears to recoil a little bit in verses 13 through 17. And, uh, <clears throat> oh boy, I still got like four pages of notes. We're going to have to find a place to, to wrap this up here. <clears throat> Job seems to kind of recoil from the idea of coming before God because God is one mind and does what he pleases. Look at uh, verse 13, I believe it is. Uh, 23:13. it says, but he is... One mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me. Boy, listen, look at that faith again. God's going to work these things out. It's appointed for me. And many such things are with him. Therefore am I troubled at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me, because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered the darkness from my faith. And uh, so, (laughs) in those verses there, can you not help but look at verse 14, for he performeth a thing that is appointed for me. Verse 13, but he is uh, in one mind who who can turn him. And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. God is going to let you go through it regardless of how you respond. Job was facing all of this affliction, all of this adversity. We know that God had enough 
faith and trusted him that he had walked close enough with him in the days prior that he could allow Satan to be turned loose in his life and not curse him. But listen, Job understood the fact that God is allowing this in my life and who's going to change his mind on any other matter. So we'll close with this thought. Your response in adversity or affliction. Listen, trust God. You can get bitter about it. And you're still going to go through it. You can trust God and thank Him in in everything, give thanks. And just wait on the Lord. And and I'll try to tie that in next week to this week's lesson because that's where we're going. But it's a couple pages down in this iPad here. But listen, you have two responses. Just to get bitter or just believe to see that God is working on your behalf. And trust him that he will bring you out far better in the end of this. Let's pray.